So the second game I'll look at is one of the three afternoon games on the last day of bowls, Monday, uh, in Texas, the Cotton Bowl, Tulane and USC. Two teams I feel are kind of headed in the wrong direction. And what I mean by that is obviously USC had a great year, but it was a big letdown, uh, their championship game, knocking them out of the playoffs. And for Tulane, they had a great championship game, big win over UCF. They've just had an incredible year. Uh, for more of a preview on both of these teams, you can go back to my podcast previews uh, on the championship games a lot earlier that I did. Um, and you'll get a lot more information because I don't want to just repeat a bunch of stuff on a podcast. Uh, but again, I, you know, what I did was look a little more at the talent on both sides and how it fit into the new schemes. Uh, and you may say, what new schemes for Tulane? Uh, well, they had the same head coach, and Willie Fritz has been building this for a while. I mean, you know, everybody's so shocked by this, but to me it's more shocking teams like Duke and T- TCU who actually just had a brand-new coach. It's just unbelievable. To, I, and, and Duke had some good things with Cutcliffe, a lot of good culture, and then obviously Gary Patterson at TCU. That had a lot to do with it. Uh, but still, it's it's wild. As far as Willie Fritz, yes, they were 2-10, and 10 and that was a fluke. I mean, they that was they were not a two and ten team. Now they're not really a ten and two team either. I mean, but these things happen. It was almost like, in the balance of all things, Fritz had been building a good program. They're a pretty good team, and they've had some pretty good years. And all of a sudden, they crashed. There's reasons for that. I I talk more in the other pod, podcast about that. And then this year, it turned around and went the other direction. Um, some of this stuff that you have happened. I mean, you look at his records. Look at what he, look at the records. Let's just do something real simple for Tulane. Four and eight, five and seven, seven and six, seven and six. Here they come. All of a sudden, the pandemic. Six and six. They fought through it, all right? Then two and ten last year. Obviously, what, what's up with that, you know? Um, again, uh, super tough schedule. That's one of the things. Again, I don't want to get through all this again. Uh, they, they Hurricane uh, didn't have a home team didn't have a place to play um you know just 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 that cluster f all the way around uh and the fact that um interestingly enough they had a lot of players back a lot of starters so that would have almost been like what the heck so there was obviously extenuating circumstances uh michael pratt a lot of injuries michael pratt kept getting hurt their quarterback Uh, fritz really liked him and i wasn't so sure i didn't watch any you know what do i know so I'm sort of like I don't know about this guy, right? He's not like the biggest recruiter or anything like that, but he's a, he's a he's a sort of a dual threat basically. He's a dual threat. Has a, he's pretty good in the passing game. He has a, a a good. He's pretty good at run and he's pretty good at pass. He has a nice balance. And and Fritz really liked him. He brought in Jim Swoboda, who I talk extensively about in his PS multiple concepts and scheme. He's a guy that that goes back and again go back to the other podcast. I'll get more. You'll get more information, but he has a little bit of an option in his background, veer option, then uh, pro spread, which is really the Jack Newmeyer, the the Newmeyer stuff, uh, or the Newmeyer run and shoot combined with the Gilman stuff. So he's got that pro spread in his background, and he also has uh, a lot of West Coast, a lot of the West Coast offense, a Bill Walsh style. So he, it's a standard pro style, you know, offense. So he's got that. So he's a, basically a pro spread guy with some option. Well, hmm, you know, and some heavy run, some of that heavier power. His, his West Coast offense also was under guys like Shanahan, like it leaned towards the power West Coast. 
So, hmm, he's got power. He's got spread. Hmm, could go to a power spread, you know. So sure enough, he's starting to lean towards that in, in later years. And, and as a head coach, uh, Jim Swoboda was a, uh, a really good head coach at uh, Central Missouri. Had a really good run there. So now he comes to Willie Fritz, who does the spread option. There's a long history to that. I talk about that in that podcast. Okay, so now you kind of mesh this together, and what do you come up with? So I talk about that in the podcast, so I'm not going to repeat all that. But the thing is that uh, it's interesting about Michael Pratt. They wanted to protect the quarterback. I think, you know, Fritz felt if he could stay healthy, he could be really good. And looks like he was right. Um so Jim Swoboda was very into protecting the quarterback. That's part of his deal. So it's a little odd for power spread, right? Because power spread seems to run the quarterback a lot, but there's many ways to do it. Well, is it more of a pro PS? Not at all. He, he mixes up too much to be pro PS. He's PS pro. But he mixes up so much. He does so many good things. I really want to put him in the PS multiple class, which there really isn't a lot. There's not a lot of people like that yet. That's something moving into the future. So it's a pretty good deal. I don't think his pass routes are not all just West Coast offense. They're a mix. And a lot of people's are. But his, his conceptual base is a mix, is what I'm trying to say. And his, uh, his run game can be a standard run game, even from under center, or a real spread run game. And he doesn't like to hurt, get his quarterback hurt and hit too much. He finds ways to protect him. He finds ways to get the ball out of his hand. That's West Coast offense, okay? Get it out of the hand quick. But other times they go deep. They take deep shots. They do more of an air raid or a pro spread or air raid kind of thing. And also, he runs a read option. So I kind of thought, like, we weren't going to see that, but we did. It's a really Fritz team. How can we not see that, I guess? So we had the option in there. Michael Pratt ran for like 500 yards, but yet he stayed healthy. Now, to really understand that, I'd have to look at all the games. I haven't done that. I highlight-wise, but I'd have to watch all that stuff. I don't know. He just did it, okay? <laughs> so, guys, so again, maybe to the gods look down and even the whole thing out because a lot of bad luck last year, a lot of good luck this year. Schedule was easier this year. Not the injuries they had last year. It just all worked out. And Willie Fritz knows culture. He's been a great coach for a long time. So surprise, it all came together and they had a great year. So it really isn't the most shocking thing, but certainly Cincinnati... Uh, UCF and uh, Houston have dominated that division. Uh, and then there were some other teams that have been very good in that AAC. It wasn't Tulane. So even when Tulane was okay, they were 7-6. and six. So, yeah, no, it's understandable everybody's shocked by this. I, I'm kind of shocked. I wouldn't have thought they'd be had a great year that they had. But here we are. So they, had, they beat what I thought was a really good US, UCF team. But UCF team's having some problems. There's some issues. I, I talk about that in my other podcast about UCF. So Tulane beat their butt. And that's the end of that. Uh, Pratt and those receivers were super impressive to me. You look at the stat lines. They spread it around. So none of the guys have huge stat lines. And Pratt's really good stats, 3,000 yards, about 20, 30 touchdown pass. But it's nothing incredible. But when you add in he runs for 500 yards, you add in how he's so clutch. You, you look at these guys, Deuce Watts, Shay Wyatt. They can break it at any time. And they're not small guys. They're over six foot. Then you've got the little guys who run around, Jaquan Jackson, uh, Lawrence Keyes. Okay? So you've got everybody in there. Then you have a Tyreek James, pretty good tight end. You know, then you've got Tyjay Spears. Had a real good year last year and had a great year this year. Was a little injured, a little beat up at times, but big time, okay? You have a lot of stuff going on. 
Um, this is really legit team. This isn't like, it's not a fluke. It's not a fluke. And it was coming. I think it was coming for, for Fritz. Um, also a guy, it would transfer Clayton Johnson, I think, to transfer whatever, 333 yards. Celestine, another running back, 306 yards. They've got talent. They've got depth. Depth. I won't go through all their offensive line, and I'm sorry for banging that out quick, but their offensive line's good. Okay, let's just go with that. So they, they had guys coming back. They're good. So this is just a really, really good offense. This is not a fluke. USC has had a lot of problems on defense this year. Okay? So I'd be shocked if there weren't a lot of points by Tulane in this game. Let's just put it that way. Uh, now, what I saw from USC in both Utah games, okay, the last one was a championship game, a lot of breakdowns in um, – execution on defense a lot of bad tackling happened all year i looked at other highlights okay so we come into this all right who, who does uh usc have on on defense anybody any good okay <laughs> yeah of course they've got talent but a lot of it is transfer talent or guys that were playing in a system where the defense wasn't that good it, the execution was not that's been going down the last couple of years but anyways max williams is a nickelback Blackman was a transfer from Colorado, a cornerback. Uh, Bullock is a safety. He's good. Um, these guys are talented. Um, who's the other safety I like? Oh, Bryson Shaw. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State. He's good. But he's a transfer. You got a lot of transfers in. Okay. Uh, Shane Lee, big-time talent from Alabama. Transfer, though. Another transfer. Eric Gentry, a transfer from Arizona State. A unique talent, like six foot seven, rangy guy who can play linebacker. It's cool, though, but they're transferring. Uh, Goforth was another linebacker, but he's transferring, so he's out. Okay, um, Who do you have up on the defensive line? Well, this is their monster guy. Now, let's get that name right. Uh, where is he? Tui Pulotu. I think that's pretty good. Tui Pulotu. Okay. Tui Pulotu. Okay, anyway, Tui Pulotu. Tui Pulotu. 13 and a half sacks this year. 12 and a half sacks, whatever it was he's the big sack guy, and he's the big monster. He's, he's almost 300 pounds. He can play defensive end. This guy's in the NFL, <laughs> okay? Um, other guys on that line, not so great. Um, Tuafuhu. <laughs> Tuafuhu is one guy. He's okay. Um, Solomon Bird, uh, Nick Figueroa. I, I'll be honest. I, I don't – I didn't see – when you – you look at the recruiting of these guys and you look, you think these guys are going to jump out at you. I watched the games. They don't jump out except to you, Opaluptu, whatever, but the other rest of the guys, they don't jump out. And, 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 and the linebackers, even Shane Lee and Gentry jumps out. Gentry is a little bit, that's a talent, but he screws up a lot. And then Lee doesn't jump out to me that much, even though his stats look good. He's got three and a half sacks, defection, two interception, a lot of 78 tackles. I don't know. It doesn't jump out. So I don't know what it is. The defensive backs, I see some good stuff, but the one guy I didn't say was McCutcheon. He hasn't, play, he hasn't played a lot this year, but he's played enough. He does a lot of good stuff, but he screws up a lot. Okay, And there was one play that really broke their backs in the championship game. So in the beginning of that game, near the end of the year, the defense was executing better and playing better. Okay. And in the championship game, they were playing better originally to start both games against Utah. Then there were breakdowns. And the one big breakdown in that championship game, rising, this is when Utah first went ahead in the second half, throws a pass over the middle. Guy gets the pitches it over the middle. McCutcheon horribly just goes after the ball, not to tackle, falls off. 
Um, and both black men and gentry just overrun it and bounce off or whatever. And this dude just, it, it was ridiculous. There was no reason for that guy not to be knocked down by somebody or a couple guys in the middle of the field. And he just ran 70 yards for a touchdown, whatever it was. I'm telling you, Tulane did this against UCF. And before you say, well, UCF doesn't have the talent of USC, listen, I'm not that impressed by the talent over there in USC. It's not bad. It's good. It's definitely better than Tulane, of course. It's probably better than UCF. I'm saying probably. UCF played a bad defensive game too, but part of it is Tulane made them look bad. Look, if you don't do your job with these receivers and with Pratt throwing the ball, you're in trouble. You're going to get big, big ones broken on you. And so I, I see USC getting better and doing the job part of the time, but not all the time. And then I'm wondering how fired up they're going to be for this game. I say, come in really disappointed. So there's that combination going on. So that's not, that's, I can't, I just think there's going to be points by Tulane as well as USC. Now on USC's side, Caleb Williams is not a definite to go. So that's the thing there. Um, Who else are they missing? And they're missing uh, Travis Dye, of course. He's been injured. And uh, Jordan Addison's not going to play in this game. And this is the worst part. The biggest reason USC had a really great offense, besides Caleb Williams, was their offensive line. It was great this year. And they had a lot of guys coming back. That's the one place they didn't have a tremendous amount of transfers. They only had one. Everywhere else, there were so many transfers. It worked on offense. It did not work on defense. Brett Newland, the really top center and top guard, Voorhees, are both out. That's not good. Okay, this is the, maybe their best guys. So that hurts their offensive line. Williams might not play. Addison's not playing. Not good. So, yeah, USC is going to get some points still. If Williams doesn't play, I'm I'm going to go with Tulane. I'm telling you right now, I'll go with Tulane. It's a crazy idea, but I'll go with Tulane. I thought the points would have been bigger in this game. Um, I don't. I, I forget what they were now exactly. What were the points in this game? The points were. Was it only like one and a half? Yeah, I really. So I guess the I guess the uh, those guys are worried that uh, Williams isn't going to play. I'm surprised it's not bigger than that. Wow. I was almost going to say, if Caleb Williams does play, take Tulane in the points, but there's not much points to give them. I guess so. I guess it doesn't matter. So yeah, no. Obviously, if Caleb Williams plays, they can definitely win. They can definitely outscore Tulane, no matter how the defense screws up. Um, and I would think that they would. But I would not be surprised at all by a Tulane victory. A lot of it, too, is going to depend how fired up. Number one, even if Williams plays, he gets a little dinged. He's coming out. That's another issue. And then the second thing is, how fired up is this team going to be? And, you know, it's, it's a tough one to call. But Tulane's going to be fired up. They've, they want to, they're having a great year. They're having a blast. Dude. They don't want the year to be over. So now Texas, right? Maybe going to be a lot more USC fans. Maybe, I guess. I don't know. I, I think more USC fans, that could be a, a thing that helps USC. So it's to me, is not an easy game to call. And I guess the point spread really shows that. So it's really a tough one to call. Um, I'm trying to think. Did I uh, cover everything? Yeah. The only thing I want to say one thing is Alex Grinch. You know, I mentioned it before. He's a real good defensive coordinator. A lot of people come down on that guy. All right. You got to look. He was never a defensive coordinator. He has a neat background. He was at Mountain Union under the great Larry Karras. That's your standard 4-3, almost Jimmy Johnson style with a, a lot of a lot of fast guys on that D-line. You want to get a good four-man rush on that. Okay, a little conservative, but whatever. He goes to Missouri. That was a little bit of the Bud Foster style back in the day. 
okay, which is a 4-4-ish, 4-2-ish hybrid. They mix some pressure and they mix some coverage, and it's pretty cool. New Hampshire, where Chip Kelly's from, that was a little more of the hybrid, 3-4-4-3, uh, three, four, four, three, but more like heavier in the box, stop the run. Wyoming, that's a guy, it was Marty English, but it really is, goes back to Mike Bresky. Just let's put it this way, there was a lot of Dick LeBeau involved in that past I don't know what Wyoming really did in 2009 to 2011, but I bet there was some zone blitz mix pressure going on. Comes back to Missouri, and you've got Barry Odom style going on there through some other guys, whatever. And that has a lot of mix in the back, okay? A lot of defensive coverage mix. And then you go to Washington State. There's his first defensive coordinator jump. So Alex Grinch is a smart guy. He's been around a lot of coaches. He's got a little mix on pressure, a little mix on coverage, and a little straight-up solid execution style okay he goes to washington state that is tough to be a defensive coordinator with mike leach now i'm not saying mike leach doesn't care about defense i'm just saying and i don't want to get into all of it it's just tough okay for different reasons uh, talent wise the scheme on offense all of that okay it, it's, it, it, as it was he he did some really good things there and people started to say this guy's a really good defensive coordinator he comes to ohio state okay Co-defensive coordinator. Look, it was a mess in 2018. Almost a mess. Yeah, no, a mess. <laughs> Shiano had done a really great job taking over for Chris Ash, who had done a good job with Luke Fickle there. But then Luke Fickle left after a year. And then Billy Davis comes in. They're trying to mix things up. They're trying to update it to the present style of defense. They had a lot of changeover with the uh, players. Ohio State was almost too good. They lost so many guys so fast. And these new guys, and, and first it was working out, and then it finally wasn't. So you had issues in personnel. You had issues in schematic updating. I like what Shannon was trying to do. It just wasn't working yet. In comes, now you got different chefs in the kitchen. And in comes Grinch in that mess, and forget it. Okay? Then he heads off to Oklahoma, which had been an absolute mess on defense. The stoops are great. Bob Stoops' father was doing zone blitz before anyone back in the day. No one, I don't think people know. And then probably got it from the Miami Dolphin guy, um, the great guy. I'm just, name's eluding me. Anyway, and then Bob did a lot of this hybrid 4-3-3-3-4-ish stuff with zone blitz and mix and, and, and good ex, you know, coverages. But his brother, Mike Stoops, was good at one time but sort of went into the quarters. Funny thing is the young guy, Mark Stoops, likes to mix too. But Mike Stoops, as an Oklahoma defensive coordinator went too conservative quarters 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 pat narduzzi got away with it for a while but he's a smart dude that he was doing certain things to help that but even he got burned and he had to adjust so they were just that scheme was off the talent started to come apart it wasn't working and in comes grinch and he improved it that's why uh lincoln riley took him to usc okay so and then at USC, he inherits another mess, <laughs> execution-wise, big time. Clancy Pendergast is a really good defensive coordinator. Let's not get into that. There's so much that goes into this stuff. But their, their whole team was sort of falling apart anyway under Helton. It's a whole nother ball game. But Grinch keeps coming into messes. He's never had like a straight up. So I'm not trying to make excuses. That's why people say, if you watch film and understand how to break it down, you know he's really good at what he's doing. And USC would have been a lot worse this year on defense without him. That's the issue there. But they've got guys missing tackles. They've got issues. They've got to 
update the personnel, get the right guys. And then, of course, you've got a whole bunch of transfers that flew in. A lot of times you miss tackles, not just because you don't care or you don't give enough effort or you don't have enough good practice technique operations. There's also, if the scheme is too complicated, I don't think Grinch's is. I sometimes wonder. I don't think it is. Jury's out, but I don't think it is. But it's also like you're not used to the scheme or you're not used to the players you're with. You're transferring in and you're throwing it on a pot and saying, go ahead, magic. No, it's not magic. It takes time. It goes faster on offense, believe it or not, if you have the right parts, especially if you have a really strong offensive line. If, If USC had a great defensive line coming back, that would have been different. They didn't. They did on offense. See, there's a lot of that. Okay, and Lincoln Riley's an offensive coach, just saying. So, look, Grinch isn't doing anything wrong. It's just a difficult situation. And at times they looked really good in the games I've watched. Other times looked really bad. Um, and one more quick thing, Chris Hampton on D. Didn't know much about this guy. Interesting guy. Got uh, Tyrone Nix, who's a John Thompson guy, Dave Womack. Womack. Uh, they mix up the 3-4, three, 3-3 three, three hybrid. Uh, Corliss and Curtis, these two guys, mix up a 4-2, four, 4-3 four, hybrid. Okay? Um, interesting. Al Grow is back in. Jack Curtis is the name. Four three four two, yeah. And then recently, a guy he was under at uh, Duke had just been under Jim Knowles. And Jim Knowles is doing some great stuff, you know, to, to, to try to stop these spreads. 4-2-ish, 3-3-ish kind of thing. So a lot of mix and coverage, some mix up front as well, maybe more towards the coverage. I think you got to watch. You got to keep mixing both sides. You got to watch. You don't get on one or the other. I'd rather see you mix more in the pressure than the coverage. Coverage gets confusing, can get big plays up. Shout out to Ohio State. But anyways, um, Hampton, I'm not saying I, – I like, too, that his concept seems to be I will be flexible, too, in the game plan. I'm not stuck on one um, concept or scheme. I'm not stuck on one scheme. It's kind of cool. These new young guys, like that guy who just took over the Purdue job, they're flexible. I like it. It's going to see, we're going to see some flexible. So the jury's out on Chris Hampton. I don't know how good he is. He had a lot of guys coming back on defense. And, and I guess I didn't talk about the defense of uh, Tulane that much. But, yeah, um, a lot of guys coming back. Two inside linebackers, uh, very good. Williams and Anderson, Dorian Williams. Uh, you've got your safeties, uh, Brooks, Lumi Young, one of the transfers. Uh, Mason Clark, the nickel, really good guys. They do pass deflections, interceptions. Uh, not a lot of sacks, a decent amount of interceptions. So, again, not a ton of pressure up, up front. Um, but then again, Grinch didn't have much except from the one defensive end that I told you about. Um, but but that's a different story over there. These guys for Tulane were all coming back. Oh, Patrick Jenkins was a transfer in at the defensive line. But a couple other defensive linemen popping back um, came back. Uh, Darius, um, Darius Hodges, an edge rusher. Okay. Uh, and, and, a, and Kennedy. Uh, the cornerback is pretty decent, and Monroe, the other cornerback, who had three interceptions. So, no, this was a strong defense coming back. Talent-wise, huh, no, they do not have, they're not even close to the talent of USC on offense. So they're going to give up points this game. I don't see how they're not. Unless Kevin, Caleb Williams doesn't play and it becomes a cluster F. If Caleb Williams doesn't play and USC is not fired up, they could get, actually be pretty good by this Tulane team, I'm telling you. You know? Um... If Caleb Williams plays, I can't imagine they're going to get their butt beat, but they could get beat in a close one. Um, with Caleb Williams playing, it's going to be close. It's, it's all going to come down to how much they actually want this game, and, and I, I'm curious how the fans are going to be. Are they going to be more USC 
That's the thing there. How many Tulane fans are traveling? That's kind of big. If you, if you get more USC fans and Caleb Williams plays the whole game, I've got to go USC. Um, as funny as it sounds, but but I wouldn't be surprised if Tulane pulls this out. 